does this to humans as well. That's why genitals, I don't care if you're black or white, are a third the size they were of a 1960s male. So the media makes jokes about that a few months ago when I gave the example of, you know, if your daddy's Johnson was a foot long, yours is six inches long. And if yours is yours was six inches, your son will be three inches. And the one with that won't even have a penis. So we make jokes about that all day long, but this isn't a game. And you can say, okay, well, who cares? Well, we're sterilized. I don't even know where to start, I guess. Um, look, that's tragic, honestly. If you had fond memories of your daddy's foot long penis and you're looking down <laughs> thinking, I got nothing, I got nothing. And you look at your kid, that pathetic kid, he's not gonna bring it. It doesn't matter how puberty, whatever, he's got nothing, nothing. That's I Alex Jones. Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? Gotta return some videotapes. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Yo, see, bitch. Let's go. I love this guy, I'm surprised with the city. Yeah, you're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. What's up, you fucking pussies? Shout out to all the alphas, the sigmas, the sugmas, and the ligmas for this episode, the man episode of I Have to Return Some Dick. How's it hanging, you fucking wiener? Okay, I didn't mean it when I called you the wiener. There's no need to. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not a wiener. You're not. You're really not. I'm, you know, I lash out because I'm the wiener. And I know it deep down in my soul. But at least we'll have some time to explore men's mental health in today's episode. All about dudes and slight side tangents that aren't about dudes. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about men's mental health, sort of what it means to be a man, the sort of idea of modern masculinity, the men's suicide rates, as well as lots of other fun stuff, my dear sweet babies and boobies and banguses. So you're going to like it and it's going to be good and it's going to be nice. And if you need any more proof that it's going to be good and nice and you're going to like it, this first song, I want everyone to stand, put your hand over your heart and just take a minute of silence while this one plays. I hate to get emotional right off the bat, but, uh, it is kind of a sensitive subject, you know, men's health, men's suicide rates. So I wanted to sort of respect that with this first song. Normally I use the first song to just play something goofy, something silly, but uh, I wanted to take this one a little bit more seriously because it's a pretty serious subject and it often gets brushed under the rug. So hands over our hearts, standing at full attention, please rise for the men's national anthem. Showers and red red on their knees wanting to suck cowboy cocks. Red red 
Everybody loves superheroes, right? That classic Marvel, DC kind of bright color, wham, bam, pow. You know what I mean? It's, I was not the like, but as a kid, you know, with my dad being a bit of a Spider-Man comic book collector, he really loves Spawn comics too. And, you know, I was a little too young to really appreciate it, but What I was right about the right age for was a show called Heroes. I believe it was an NBC show called Heroes. It expanded my mind, dude. Because previously, superheroes had all been comic book-y, bright, colorful, wham, bam, pow. This was a TV show, essentially just about normal-ass people discovering that they have powers. It's so cool. And I remember... There were so many different awesome characters. There was Hero, a guy who could literally like stop time. There was a cheerleader who was basically immortal. She could just jump off a building and stand up and walk away, you know. There there was one girl who like anything she saw someone else do, she could do it instantly. Like I remember her watching a gymnastics routine for the Olympics and then just doing it perfectly <laughs> in the living room. But my favorite was this little kid, this little boy who could basically control machines. Like, not like, you know, Luke Skywalker, hold out your hand and... He would just, like, you know, look at a payphone and get a free call. Or, like, look at a TV and be able to... It was really cool. And... (laughs) How do you know you don't have superpowers? Huh? Well, you gotta try. So that's what I would do sometimes. I still, I admit, sometimes to this day, I'm like, just gotta check, see if they developed. But, you know... You ever have that when you're watching a superhero show? When someone has, like, telekinesis, especially? That would be my favorite power in the world is telekinesis. I'd be all sexy Jean Grey. Wap, wap. <laughs> I'd love that shit. But that's just not the way of the world. I don't think I'll ever get telekinesis. I'll never be Jean Grey. I'll never be this sexy little dork phoenix. But maybe that's not the case. There's this technology in what is basically becoming a series on this podcast, which is the future. Is it scary or is it kind of cool? And what I really want to talk about in this segment is brain-computer interfaces, BCIs for short. They're systems that translate brain activity into command for machines. Usually, that's for medical reasons. Uh, The easiest example you can think of is people who have a prosthetic arm. But they're still able to, you know, like control the fingers and open and close grip. That's because of BCI, these little brain-controlled interfaces. And they have a lot of non-medical applications too, you know. Entertainment, people are looking at it as a sort of a way to control video games. And interesting to me, they are able to somewhat 
record your dreams while you're having them. Isn't that fucking nutso? You could be sitting there dreaming. That's a, they literally what they did is they, they had this BCI, this little brain chip inserted in a lady, and they asked her to go to sleep. And she had some dreams. So when they woke up, they were like, oh, what would you dream about? And she said, oh, I, I was having this horrible dream that I was falling, blah, blah, blah. And based on the various areas of her brain that lit up while she was sleeping, when those same areas light up again, you can tell that it's the same kind of dream. Which is nuts, right? Your brain already has this, <laughs> not necessarily technology, but it already has this ability in dreams to transport you somewhere totally realistic. It feels totally real, especially if you ever like lucid dreaming. It's it's a bizarre sort of feeling. It's like a step above BR. BR. <laughs> but here's the problem with all this stuff. This BCI, the whole stick a little trip in your brain and then you can have telekinesis. It's no, 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 no. Uh, basically, the problem is that reading brain signals at the level needed for any kind of complex BCI is really hard to do right now without either surgically implanting a chip into your brain, which is not an idea that excites me, I'll tell you that for free, or essentially using what they call wet sensors, which is exactly what you think of if you've ever had an ultrasound. It's that same kind of little bit of gel, stick it to your head, and they can basically record your thoughts. That's basically what this technology is, is taking people's thoughts and translating them into ones and zeros. Uh, one of the quotes from a boy who's been working on this for quite some time is, the potential of this project is actually very broad, said Damien Robinson, who demonstrated the BCI for the army. At its core, it's translating brain waves into zeros and ones, and that can be implemented into a number of different systems. It just happens that in this particular instance, we're translating into control through a robot. Even that is bizarre to me. The idea that I could control a robot with my brain just by thinking is nuts. But even crazier than that is say you have this brain chip. Say you have the ability to not only record information but withdraw information. They have quite literally done tests between rats that they are able to put a brain chip in both of these rats and have them sync to the fact where one rat can do the maze with a little brain chip and send the information of that maze to the second rat so he can instantly go through the maze right away. And this has some crazy fucking implications. The fact that not only you could have a brain chip in your mind that you could use to control specific devices to start with, let's say your prosthetic arm or, you know, a little wall-mounted lever, even something as simple as that. Hooking that chip up to Wi-Fi suddenly gives you the entirety of the internet in your head. There would be no world of, oh, let me Google it. It would be Who's that actress in your brain, almost with that same sort of AI chat GPT sort of software, will instantly be able to provide you with an answer because you'll have the entirety of the internet fucking around in your head. And it's not only that, it's not only going to change the way that we network and socialize, but it is going to change the way we network and socialize, like communication with people. If we have the ability to do this mind sharing sort of thing with these brain chips, you basically have the ability to be anywhere at any time just by tapping into someone else's mind chip. Anyone else who has this mind chip 
could essentially commodify their own life and experience. It's going to be, potentially, anyway, it might just be, what the future of content looks like is instead of recording yourself, you will literally be able to record your memories and transmit those memories to other people. It's fucking... Okay, hold on. (laughs) I'm getting a little carried away here. Let's let um, one of the lead innovators in this technology sort of talk about the potential and why I'm a little bit scared of it. Think about this. You, as a human being right now, are trapped in this body. But once you are connected to the internet, you are no longer trapped in your body. You can actually be anywhere at any time that any other person or any other device is is getting sensory information. So there could be a robot on Mars, and you could literally tap into the robot on Mars, and it would be like you're on Mars, it could totally recreate the experience, including the sensations, the physical sensations, like everything of you being on Mars. You can live through other people, your favorite pop star, your favorite scientist. You could be in Elon Musk's head right now, walking around doing what he's doing, if Elon Musk allowed you to do that. Uh, yeah, no thanks. Even if, even if he wants me in his head, I'm going to give Elon a hard pass. But isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts? The fact that we're not talking about this as a possibility or a maybe. We're already working towards this. We've been working towards this for a long time and we're going to continue working towards this. And boy, oh boy. The amount of of philosophical conundrums that are going to arise if and when this ever happens, if this ever becomes more mainstream, the idea of brain chips. I know right now the idea of a chip in your brain is pretty, ugh, to most people. At least I would assume so. I can't say I'm Steve Harvey. I can't say I go family feud and being like, top 10 answers on the board. You want a little chip in your brain or not? I don't fucking know what the people think, but, uh... Oof. Man. The future sure can be scary sometimes, huh? And by the way, when I do get a brain chip, I'm a I'ma create a private account. I think that's what I'll do. Betting Taylor Swift every night inside the Oculus Rift. After Mr. and the Mrs. Finished dinner and the dishes And now the future's definition Is so much higher than it was last year It's like the images have all become real Someone's living my life for me out in the
historians find us We'll be in our homes Plugged into our hubs Skin and bones A frozen smile on every face As the stories we play This must have been a wonderful place as a seasoned faggot, um, that is that is a pretty common joke people make when, when you're like, oh, you're gay? Well, at least we're not going to worry about you running all over town, knocking up some little hot little blonde, right? And uh, let's just say the risk of that happening has gone up quite a bit recently. So more, more than ever in my life, I've been thinking about birth control. Now, male birth control is somewhat of a narrow field. I've been familiar with it most of my life because there's not really too many options in that department. There's condoms, which fail 13% of the time anyway. There's outer course, aka non-vaginal sex. There's pulling out like a pussy. <laughs> there's, uh, there's even male birth control gel. And of course, mastectomy would be, you know, off with their head. But... There is no male birth control pill, which is interesting because I, more so than ever recently, have been dealing with birth control for women. And hearing some women talk about birth control is like, are you fucking serious right now? This is a prime example. I'd love to share this clip with you. Her name is Taylor Tomlinson. She's a really good comedian. I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. And the first time I heard her say this, it blew my fucking mind. I'd love to get off birth control because I'd love to meet me, you know? <laughs> I've heard that when you get off birth control, you're just like, has anyone in here gotten off of birth control? You have right here. Oh, a lot of us. Okay. All right. How did that go for you? I broke you broke up with your boyfriend of six years. These are the stories I'm talking about. This is what I've heard about. You stop, you stop getting doing birth control and you don't Your sense of smell changes. Your sense of smell changes. Oh my god. So wait, what did your what did your ex-boyfriend smell like before when you were on birth control and what did he smell like once you got off birth control? You're like, when I was on birth control, he smelled like my future, and when I got off, he smelled like the past. What? Fucking pardon me? Excuse me? Your smell changes? Wait, wait, whoa, 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 what the fuck? That's what I thought. Anyway, at the first, I was like, what? What is this weird-ass black magic that's in birth control? And the answer to that question, what is that weird-ass black magic that's in birth control? It's hormones. The, uh... <laughs> That'd be funny if I just ended it. It's hormones. Bye. <laughs> they literally it was a garden art guardian article. Guardian article. Not too long ago, about six years ago. And this was the headline. The pill affects women's satisfaction with their relationships. Research finds women who meet their spouses while they are taking the pill may find them less attractive once they have stopped taking contraceptives, according to research. Scientists have found that newly married women who were taking hormonal contraceptives when they met their husbands see them differently when they stop using the pill. With men whose faces do not conform to objective measures of attractiveness, it's me, the woman became less satisfied with their relationship when they stopped using oral contraception. Men who were deemed to be attractive, however, saw their wife's satisfaction increase when they stopped taking the pill. 
Interesting, huh? I don't know how much I want to, you know, make every decision based on a Guardian article from seven years ago, six years ago, but interesting, huh? And this also got me thinking, a lot of the, the symptoms, you know, you see for people who are, or at least women, I shouldn't say people, women who are on birth control is blood clotting in extreme cases, headaches, breast tenderness, nausea, and it got me thinking, really the main chemical is estrogen in birth control. It's estrogen and this other little funny little guy whose name I wrote down and then didn't print out so I don't have it in front of me right now. But that got me thinking too, if estrogen is one of the like things in birth control that is causing these symptoms, what about trans people? What about people who are going through feminizing hormone therapy, as it's called? And there are similar kind of symptoms. You'll see blood clotting, nausea, headache, blah, 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 breast tenderness. It's interesting to me. I suppose that, why can't we just, why can't I just turn off my nuts sometimes, dude? This would be way easier if you just put a little on-off switch on my boys, on Big Jim and the twins, you know? But I guess until then, we'll just, every time that your period's back, we'll be like, yay! (laughs) Didn't get you pregnant. Nailed it! Fucking killing it! Until, of course, I can ask my Amazon Echo to deactivate balls <laughs> uh, fuck she says she DTF but you know I got fish to catch and she banging my line she wasting my time saying she wants some sex nah girl I'm reeling it in I'm casting my ride with a big old grin hitting the lake with the boys on a weekend whipping the boat no I can't be your boyfriend she says she DTF but you know I got fish to catch I got on my head yeah the one with the hook and I'm packing my tackle box down by the brook there's plenty of fish in the sea yep. so don't you go fishing for me nope. I ain't with the kissing cause that ain't no fun I got 99 problems and a fish ain't one she says she DTF but if she hit my phone voicemail decline got a brand new boat gotta cast my line with the rock Go down to the wave just right We living the life If we ain't going fishing Then don't waste my time Pull up, we chillin' in the Bass Pro Shop Then I'm about to hit the lake In a brand new drop top Oh shit, I did it again I'm fishing for bass And she texting her friends Been here for days I'm making plays Bagging fish, catching rays Unrestrained, so amazed I just can't help myself Caught a brand new trophy For the bathroom shelf We can stay the night But we just won't match in the morning You know what? I got fish to catch Uh, at the marinas Ha, licking on penises But then when I'm done I get on my sloop Then I suck on more penises Fishing out in the Pacific, slitting fish throats, I'm getting sadistic, catching some beasts, all paleolithic, out on the seas and my cast is ballistic, got the corpses, they're stacked up in rows, no time for remorse and that's how that shit goes, up on my boat we fish bottle nose, it smells fucking sweet when that shit decomposes. my therapist said, he sees warning signs, but who gives a fuck when I'm casting my lines, he should man up and mine is on mine, just let me keep fishing and fuck up my grind. Hey yo Justin, that girl from last night hit you up yet? Yeah, yeah, I got a text, she says she's uh, DTF, but I don't even know what the fuck that means. Oh uh, man, DTF, man, she's down to fish. Oh hell yeah man, hey, uh, have you have you seen Ryan anywhere? I just got three more, buddy boys. Nice. Hold on, my Sony Ericsson's ringing. Oh, it's that girl from last week. Hello? Oh, you're having another manic episode? Sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my fishing. Bitch. She say she DTF, but you know we got fish to catch. Don't want to see any breasts, just want to see fish in my net. Don't want to do any sex, just want to chill in my vest. Don't want to see you get undressed, but you know we got fish to catch. Woo! Oh. My lord. Hell yeah. Catch those fish, boy. I'm catching bass. 
I'm reeling another one in right now. Oh, is, that, is, that a, is that a marlin? <laughs> that's a marlin. That's if a marlin. The line, I'm kind of embarrassed. Yeah. Alright, man. I'll get it. I'll get another one. Swag. Hey. I'll, I'll, still respect I love women, you, boys. I, I love you too. Come on. High five. I love you. Wow. I love you, boys. Stop Just catching stop, fish stop with the boys. Fish so much. Alright. Woo. Okay. In Canada and worldwide, of course, this is a much larger number, but at the very least, in Canada. 12 people a day kill themselves. That's about 4,500 deaths per year. It's the second leading cause of death among young people and young adults. That's 15 to 34. And you know what's strange about suicide? Three times as many men kill themselves when compared to women. Now, why is that? What's up with that? Well, before I, I attempt to answer that question somewhat, I want to throw a couple more statistics at you. The uh, highest population of those who commit suicide are men. That's age between about 20 and 50, right about in that range. That's about most people who commit suicide. And a lot of these men, when you hear about suicide statistics, are subgroups. So many of these suicide statistics are subgroups. And I'm talking about transgender men i'm talking about indigenous men i'm talking queer men you know soldiers cops people who've experienced ptsd there's quite a lot more men who kill themselves than women about three times more but when it comes to hospitalization rates associated with self-inflicted injury whether that's a suicide attempt or just self-harm the number one demographic is actually Young girls from the age 10 to 19 is the number one demographic for those hospitalized for self-inflicted injury. Which is interesting to me because basically what that shows, and as I did some more digging, it's not as concrete as, you know, suicide rates are three times higher among men compared to women. And by the way, these statistics are from the official Government of Canada website. That is where I'm getting this information. And... Doing a little bit more digging outside of the Government of Canada website, I realize those numbers are a little bit skewed. Why are we seeing so many young girls hospitalized and so many men killing themselves? And one of the reasons why is basically when men commit suicide or attempt suicide, they often use firearms. They use a lot more lethal means, whereas women are more likely to take pills which is just, that's just the science. That's probably the most popular way people try and kill themselves is with pills. And it is amongst women that these attempted suicides are, are higher than the actual suicide rate of men. So I think it, it sort of evens out a bit more than we think we do. But it's, it's weird because like another interesting aspect of this whole thing is I was listening to an interview with a, a family doctor, basically. And he was saying... Quite often, we hear from other physicians that they're reluctant to even ask questions about mental health. They're reluctant to even ask questions about mental health. And that's such a ridiculously important question, right? Even, even if it should just be a standard, like, you, you're doing okay, buddy? You know, it's crazy to me that there are still medical professionals who are reluctant to ask about that kind of shit. And of course, if you aren't asked and you're really kind of 
anxious or dealing with some of those mental disorders, you're not, you might not necessarily be able to stand up for yourself right then and say, Hey, I've been feeling like this. I don't know what to do about it. You might not be ready for that yet, but even just asking the question, like, is there anything you want to talk about? It's such a great way to open that door. And that really is sort of what this, this whole thing got me thinking about is it's not that three times as many men kill themselves as compared to women. It's just that, I would say more men successfully commit suicide. (laughs) That's a fucked up thing to think about. Successfully committing suicide. I think it's just failure all the way around. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because when people were interviewed, like as a whole, about 12% of people said that they've had thoughts of suicide in their lifetime. Which means about 5% actually do it. But about 12% of the population have these thoughts, have these feelings. I don't know what to do about it. So I guess the question becomes, what do we do about it? Because we're sort of, at least when it comes to the male mental health side of things, talking about male mental health sort of feels like those men's rights people. You know what I mean? Any any feminist <laughs> probably has run into a couple of those where they're like, oh, I'm actually more of a meninist. Men have less rights than blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of shit. It kind of makes you go, men's mental health? Okay, yeah, sure. Just like men's rights. But it's it really is something worth looking into is men's mental health. Because instead of really... We're basically seeing two types of men is the best way I can think of to describe it. Is There's one type who is just essentially trying to better themselves. Is Is realizing what they're going through. Is working on getting better. And then there's this other kind of men who... They feel like shit. They get themselves in these... They don't even necessarily get themselves. They just find themselves in mental health predicaments. And instead of looking for ways to get out of that predicament and to better themselves, they they look for like-minded people. They go on Facebook and they join the QAnon subreddit. You know what I mean? It's either work on yourself and better yourself or... Me and the boys are going to go storm the fucking White House. You know what I mean? Men are scary. Dude, I'm scared of them. I don't trust them. They're all big and and angry and scary. And they definitely need to go to therapy. (laughs) So what do we do? What do we do to... How do we prevent the clumping and, and promote the healing? You know, how do we disperse these little fucking Andrew Tate yuck houses and just work on a kind of... Safer space for men. Like, safer space for men. See? See what I mean? Feels kind of gross, doesn't it? Feels like that men's right shit. We need a safer space for men. No, we just need to, I don't know, somehow convince men that there is no real dignity in not talking about it. It gets nothing done. It's, you know what happens? You know who you hurt by not talking about it? Is you, buddy. Like, I just want to shake on my shoulders. But what do you do? You know? I I heard someone mention this little situation. And I think it's an interesting way that kind of helps me look at it is hypothetically, let's say you walk into an office and at the lunch table, there's a woman sitting at the table crying with her head in her hands by herself. What would you do? What would you say? Now, exact same scenario, you walk in. And there's a man sitting at a table crying with his head in his hands. What do you do? What do you say? 
You're probably going to approach those two situations differently. Right? But should we? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know the answer to that one, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know what to do about it, but I, I don't know. It's just something I think about. It's such a seemingly silent killer. It's so stigmatized, which is another large part of the reason men don't talk about it. It's because of how stigmatized it is. This perception of weakness, of like admitting you even have a problem is, is weakness. You know, and there's so many of these fucking Alex Jones type assholes who are constantly trying to convince you that that they're coming to take your dick away your dick's gonna grow by three inches and then your grandson's dick's gonna shrink and then you're not gonna have a dick and then there's gonna be no more dicks they're taking our rights and they're taking our guns and they're taking our dicks (sighs) man no we're trying to get better can you guys stop we're trying to make men okay again not even great we're just trying to make them okay (laughs) you know Oh, God. I have no good way to finish this, so... There's bound to be a ghost at the back of your closet Maybe several things That you're gonna find Really difficult to forgive There's gonna come a day When you feel better You'll rise up Free and easy on that day And float from branch to branch Lighter than the air Just when that day is coming Who can say, who can say Our mother has been absent Ever since we founded Rome But there's gonna be a party When the wolf comes home I'm gonna kill all the judges 
It's gonna take you people years to recover from all of the damage our mother has been absent ever since we founded Rome. But there's gonna be a party when the wolf comes home. talk about this men's mental health thing. I'm not going to say men's rights, but let's just say the the fall of man. All the all the shit that's wrong with boys <laughs> because there's definitely some of it. Although I wanted to give you a little quote to start this off by Richard Reeves who wrote a lovely book called Of Boys and Men sort of analyzing the problems and what to do about them. This was a really good quote that he had that uh, made me dig into more of his stuff, which is what we're going to keep talking about is, is Richard Reeves and, and the fall of man. So one of his quotes is, the problem with men is typically framed as a problem of men. It is men who must be fixed, one man or boy at a time. This individualist approach is wrong. Instead, there are structural problems and societal issues that need to be addressed if men are not to become even more lost, defeated, and angry. And it's, it's interesting. When you look at sort of the gender inequality subject, for a very long time, it seems like the default thing 70s 80s was trying to catch women up to men trying to just gender equality trying to get us somewhat even but if you look at it now the overall picture is that basically on almost every level at like every age in every advanced economy in the world the girls are leaving the boys way behind that's what nobody expected is that not only that women would catch up to boys and men but they would blow right past them and keep going. It's crazy. Like there was that huge focus in the eighties, but that's where we are now. Is it sort of flip-flopped in the average school district in the U S girls are almost a grade level ahead of boys in English and have caught up in math. And if we look at those with the highest GPA scores, the top 10%, two thirds of that 10% are girls. And guess what happens if you look at the bottom 10%? Two-thirds are men. It's interesting. There's a, there's a similar size gap in enrolling in college. Even completing college, there's a very similar gap where women are consistently blowing men out of the water to the point where we haven't seen this kind of inequality when it comes to education since 1972. And here's the thing. Here's the question. What do we do about it? What is the solution? That's, uh, I'm going to give you one more quote by Richard Reeves, and then we'll talk about his uh, attempt <laughs> at a solution. Now, I'm going to give you a quote, nearly 100 years old from a headmaster of Stowe School in England. And he said his job was to turn boys into men who would be acceptable at a dance and invaluable in a shipwreck. Now, I've been asked to modernize that phrase. 
I can't really improve on it. Because what it's getting at is a sense that as a man, you have to learn how to conduct yourself in society. How you interact with women in a way that's respectful, recognizing difference, but absolutely insisting on equality. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that that metaphor, you know. Handy at a dance and invaluable in a shipwreck, you know. He's a respectable boy, but he knows what to do. You know, I get that. It's It's hard to modernize that phrase. But when it comes to actual solutions, uh, the second half of the book, uh, it's not that specific. I mean, this is kind of the same. I lo- I, sorry, I do have one more quote <laughs> I want to give you. Just talking about these kind of issues in general. I really love how this article put it. So I will end it with one more quote. My dear sweet babies, if you can be patient with me, I'm almost done. Thank you. The second half of his book, then, exemplifies a major problem in American life where one ideology prevents us from honestly addressing our biggest social issues. It's the same ideological straitjacket that affects pretty much every other area of society as well, from opioids to suicide to homelessness, which is why we have not been able to successfully address any of them. As a society... We must find a way to create the space in which the real sources of and potential solutions to serious social issues can be publicly discussed and ultimately confronted if we actually want to make progress in fixing any of them. Reeves is to be commended for raising the issue, but when it comes to addressing our male malaise, that must include the courage to articulate a vision of a 21st century masculinity that builds upon the distinctive gifts of men, especially if we are to have a remote chance of attracting ordinary men's allegiance. And that's what I keep running into. Really, the more I look into this, the more I find, it seems like everyone's answer is basically, we need to have some sort of, not necessarily wide sweeping social reform, but there does need to be some social reform. There does need to be some adjustments made, some some changes that we aren't seeing happen. And I don't know if we will anytime soon. What do those changes look like? Has anyone even laid out a sort of framework for a 21st century masculinity where you can be a good boy? Not really. So what do you do? What do you, what do you do as a dude who just doesn't want to be an asshole, but is, I don't know. What do you do? What's the solution? And... I think the more I learn about this subject, the more I realize that we just don't have one right now. We don't even have a plan for one. We do not have a good plan for solution. But I don't want to leave you on that note, on the note of, well, what can we do about it? Fucking nothing. (laughs) Because that's not true. But looking at it on a global scale, as a global issue, it feels like there's nothing really you could do. But the best thing that you or me or anyone could do is change the perception of what men are. Men have very appropriately garnered the reputation of being brutish, of being rapists, of, you know, being the ones causing problems past closing time at Hooters, you know. Men definitely have created a public image for themselves. And 
boy, oh boy, men, we need to do some rebranding. Because I think, man, I think I'm not safe. I think John Wayne Gacy or fucking big burly football boys. And really, I think what things like TikTok and social media are showing us is, is the other side of the coin. You know, that was really the side that was prioritized for so long is the man, the masculine, manly man. And as much as we're moving away from that, we're not. We're sort of just embracing all of the different colors of the masculinity rainbow. And I really think, at least for me, that is the best thing I can do to sort of help this whole issue with the with men's perception in, in the world, with the way we view men, is just by being the exact opposite of what people think men are, uh, by being kind, by being generous, by making you feel safe, by just being a good person. Really, you want to be a good man, you have to be a good person. And I think I am a good person. So as far as what I can do to fix this problem, I feel like I'm already doing it. I feel like I'm already trying to break the perception of what a man is. And if you don't mind me saying so, I think I'm doing a pretty okay job. Well, mama told me when I was young Sit, sit beside me, my only son, and listen closely to what I say. And if you do this, it'll help you some sunny day. I it Take your time Don't live too fast Troubles will come And they will pass You'll find a warm mom And you'll find love And don't forget that There is a someone oh, Thank you.
Another episode in the tank, baby. Thank you for being here for this one. I'm sure some of you uh, coochie connoisseurs out there probably are uh, have a couple um actuallys for me about the whole birth control thing. But I'd love to hear them. I would love to be um actually. This is a subject I, I have been enjoying learning about recently. So many little things in this life. There's always something I can stick my little nose in. Go, what that? How does that work? What's up with that? So I am... Eternally grateful that I seem to never run out of shit to talk about. And you beautiful bitches keep on running back to hear it. So thank you for that. I love you. It means the world, man. I appreciate it a lot. And uh, yeah. Okay. Listen. Listen. All right. I know we just did this whole men's health episode. And I don't want to alarm anyone, but I am... I am going to risk the cooties. I am putting myself at serious risk of cooties to have a girl in the next episode. Ugh, right? Ugh. <laughs> how do we change the perception of men shitting on women on a podcast? That's how we do it. God damn it. But it'll be good. I promise. It'll be real good. There'll be a real special little lady there. Real special little tiny little tiny little tiny little lady. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. But until then, stay sexy. All you beautiful bitches. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Thanks. I liked it. It was good. Thanks. Thanks. I hope you also liked it and thought it was good. And if you didn't, fuck you.